Hey, good morning, FCF. Um, wonder if you're familiar with those celebrity stories. You know, they always kind of go the same way. You know, if you're a musician, rock star, singer, whatever, you kind of get big success overnight, and all of a sudden money starts pouring in, fame starts pouring in, and then you kind of know what the rest of the story turns out to be, right? They start living wild, crazy, reckless. There's alcohol, there's drugs, there's, you know, abusing their bodies and everything else. And then usually the story goes, after years and years of abuse and addiction and, and all kinds of problems, then something happens and essentially they start taking care of themselves a little bit better or we don't hear about them again. Now, when you hear these stories over and over and over again, and these stories have been going around now for 30 years, you ever wonder why the newest set of celebrities and artists don't ever seem to learn from them? I mean, why don't they ever ask, what's wrong? What's the reason that this happens? But that's not what they do. They, they repeat the same cycle. The cycle goes on generation after generation after generation of celebrities. And so what, what's behind this? I mean, could it be that this celebrity cycle, and I'm going somewhere with this, could it be that they simply lack clarity? I mean, could it be that simple? Could it be that, that they are trying to meet deep spiritual needs in their souls with presence, you know, presence like persons, places, things, money, fame, experiences. They're, they're taking presence like under the tree presence and they're trying to meet these deeper spiritual needs that every single human being has, but what they need and the only thing that can meet those deeper needs and hungers in their spirits and soul is the presence singular of Christ our Creator. I mean, what if the, the very truth is, is that man, humanity, human beings cannot live without their God, cannot live without deep, personal, spiritual, mental, emotional unity with their Creator. I mean, what if we're just kind of like the walking dead if we don't have that unity? What if that's the truth? Now, there's an interesting thing that I've been saying here. It, it's, it's the truth, the reason. You ever notice how we do that? When something's wrong with your car and you take it to the mechanic, you call the mechanic after he's had a chance to look at it and assess it, and you say, well, what's the problem? Likewise, it could be your, your physical. You're having some physical problems. You go to the doctor. You talk to the doctor. Doctor, what, what, what's the problem? We have this intuition in ourselves that we live in an orderly universe. There, there are coherent answers. There's reasons, singular reasons. We, we, we like that two and two always make four. And we intuitively sense that the whole universe is this way, that there's real, concrete, predictable answers to things. So we want to talk today about clarity. Because I believe that human beings, we, we not only crave clarity, we not only know that clarity is there, that certainty, the, the the factor, the the answer, the the reason, but we desperately need clarity. And I, I want to go further and say that, that clarity can only come from the source of all knowledge. I mean, that, that just makes sense. So I'm going to take you today to John's Gospel, chapter 8. And again, our title of the message is, is Clarity Wanted. Every human being wants clarity. And in John's Gospel, Jesus is engaged in a conversation with uh, the Pharisees who were, at this point, his totally committed enemies. But let, me, let me give you some context. We're 
we're, we're, we're getting in the last six months now of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry, and He has done thousands of miracles, things that no human being has ever done before. He has opened blind eyes. He has multiplied food for 4,000, another time 5,000. He has walked on the sea. He has opened deaf ears. He has twice raised people from the dead, and will do it a third time here shortly. So He has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that He is not just an ordinary human being. On top of that, his character and his teachings have put him in a whole different category. The earth has never seen anyone like this. And yet, these religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had made up their mind. They hated him. He was not religious enough for them. Now, this is kind of a scary thing. This was God. Jesus is God. He's the creator of the universe. And these religious leaders who studied endlessly, day in, day out, their Old Testament scriptures, Jesus was not religious enough for these guys. The Creator was not religious enough. They had created such a distorted picture of God in their head through their systematic study, or what they called their systematic study, that when God showed up, they didn't like Him, and they solidly rejected Him. They had already made up their minds. They were just out to trap Him now, so they would have a good reason to reject Him. So with this in the background, here we go. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. I'm going to just stop there. The argument goes on, and it really gets ugly toward the end to the point that that these individuals, they say that Jesus is a demon-possessed Samaritan, and they get ready to stone him. I mean, the whole thing goes bad. And the amazing thing, when you look at this entire eighth chapter, is that Jesus keeps trying with these guys. Imagine, imagine you are the creator of the universe. You can stop the heartbeat, the brain waves in the the bodies of these individuals that are opposing you instantly, they are insulting Jesus. They are being disrespectful to Him. They are arguing with Him, and He's enduring it, still trying to reach them, and of course trying also desperately to clarify the truth about God and the truth about life to the people that they were influencing. Okay, so all that in mind, we have one of these amazing claims here. Jesus says, I am the, the light of the world. We, we've seen in other messages, he, he said, I am the Messiah, the one that's going to reveal the truth about God in life. I am the bread of life. Now he says, I am the, the light of the world. So what is he talking about uh, when he says he's the light of the world? It's quite a claim. And let me read you a verse from 1 John. This is not Gospel John, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, that just kind of illuminates it a bit. It says, this is the message we heard from Christ and are reporting to you. God is light, and there isn't any darkness in Him. Jesus says to these men, Jesus, mind you, is a 33-year-old man, and He says to these men, He says, I am the light of the world. They knew their Old Testament. They knew in the Old Testament it talks about God is the light. And in His light, Psalm 36, 9, and in His light, we see light. They knew Jesus was claiming deity to be God. It says in 1 John that God is the light. 
three, three things it says about God when it's trying to describe His nature. It says that God is light. That's in 1 John 1, 5. We just read it. It says God is love. That's in 1 John also, chapter 4, verse 8. And then in John's gospel, in a message we did at the beginning of the series, John 4, 24, it says God is spirit. So God is light, God is love, and God is spirit when it's trying to describe His, His basic essence. So here's Jesus clearly telling these individuals that opposed Him and rejected Him that, that He Himself was God. But the claim is tremendous. He says, I'm the light of the world, and whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, He's making an astounding claim. He's saying that anyone that is not His follower that they are walking in darkness and they won't have the light that they need to live life the way it was designed to be lived. We won't know who we are. We won't know why we're here. We won't know where we're going. We won't know the truth about God. We won't know the truth about ourselves. We won't know the truth about life. We won't know why the world is as it is and we won't know where it's going in the future. So Jesus is making this tremendous claim. Let, 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 me, let me put it to you like this. This is something we've probably experienced. Have you ever been around one of these people, if you happen to be near one of them now, just kind of look the other way, but they are these people, they know everything. They, you can't tell them anything because they already know everything there is to know. And, and they not only know everything, they are always right, okay? Uh, they're, they're not easy people to be around because we know as fallible, finite human beings, no one knows everything and no one is always right. But there are those people, there are those people that think they're always right and they know everything. But Jesus is literally claiming, He is telling these religious leaders that had spent their entire lives studying the Old Testament and who were probably older than Him, He is telling them that He is the light of the world. He's saying, I know everything there is to know about reality. I know everything there is to know about the universe. I know the truth about everything. I know the, the answer to everything. I am, He's literally saying, I am always right. I am the standard. So this, this is an incredible claim that he's making, and it's kind of backed up by some other scriptures we have in the New Testament. Listen to this from the book of Colossians in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For the full content of divine nature lives in Christ in His humanity. So, so it's saying everything there is of God was there expressed fully in the humanity of Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 3, He is the key, He meaning Jesus, He is the key that opens all the hidden treasures of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. When Jesus said He's the light of the world, He's saying, I have all the knowledge in the universe. I know everything there is to know. Jesus is claiming to be the omniscient or the all-knowing creator of the universe. And he's telling this to these men and he's telling it to others that were more sympathetic and more open to him as well. Now, for you and I, it's something for us to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, is Jesus the light of our life. In other words, are we convinced at this stage that, that Jesus is the source of all truth, of all wisdom, of all knowledge in the universe? Are we convinced that Jesus always has the answer, the answer to everything? That there is not one area in our lives, whether it's our vocational life or our relational life or any other portion of our life, there is not our economic life, there is not one portion of our lives 
that Jesus doesn't have the all-sufficient, trustworthy answer. Because that, that's what it's, it's talking about here. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you'll just follow me, and I want you to notice that too. Folks, we, 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 need, we need to get a, a, a checkup on, on the way we think today about what it means to be a Christian. You hear me say this regularly because it needs to be said regularly. It says in Acts 11.26, it says, the disciples, or the methetes in Greek, the tamadim in Hebrew, the disciples were first called Christians, Acts 11.26, in Antioch. There was no such thing, no such thing, please hear this, as being a Christian unless you were a disciple. A disciple was a follower. Let me take you to the Hebrew of the tamadim, a follower. It meant... I am one that is following a certain teacher, and my goal in life, my total devotion, is to become like my teacher. That's what it meant to be a disciple. That's what it meant to be a Talmudim. Jesus was saying, I'm the light of the world, and the one that follows me, the one that's my disciple, the one that's my follower, he'll never walk in darkness, never, but he'll have the light of life. Now, the thing that we know about ourselves is that we're very limited in knowledge. I mean, pretty much, we as human beings, we, we just kind of know uh, what's happening now. We can't see into the future. We can use our imagination a bit, but we really don't know. We can look a little bit into the past, but it's kind of hard to validate a lot of history the further back we go. So we're kind of locked into the present. And when you think about it, we can be marvelously, crazily wrong about things. Let me give you an example. Supposing that you and I were living back during the Civil War times, and please don't, don't put any meaning into this other than I'm just using a silly illustration here, but we happen to be living in a Confederate part of, of the, the land, and so we're rich. We have, we have done business and made lots and lots of money, Confederate money. Now, we're rolling in the dough and we're happy, but what we don't know is that in just months when the war ends, all that Confederate money, maybe we have millions in Confederate money, it's going to be useless. It's not going to be worth a thing. We, we are so limited in knowledge. Take the Civil War once again. Think of those doctors that worked for hours, 10, 12, 16-hour shifts, just trying to save as many lives as they can with filthy, dirty hands and filthy, dirty instruments. They would operate on the people they were trying to save. They were killing more people with their limited knowledge, their, their misunderstanding about you know, the way bacteria spreads. They were killing people that they were trying to help. We're, we're just limited. We just don't know. Jesus is saying, he is the source of all knowledge in the universe. He has extra-dimensional knowledge. You and I, we're, we're bound by, by time. We, we're, we're bound by space. We're by, bound by our dimensional abilities. We can't see into the other dimensions. It's, scripture talks about that there are spiritual realms that are invisible to us. They exist. Jesus sees them. He created them all. There's realities, eternal realities that he is totally familiar with that we're not. Our, our knowledge is very limited. We're, we're kind of like uh, horses with blinders or, or blinkers. Have you ever seen those, you know, sometimes racehorses? They put these blinkers on the sides of their eyes because horses' eyes are a bit on the side of their head and they this way would uh, keep them from looking, trying to look behind themselves or beside themselves and it keeps them just focused. And so the horse sees pretty much only what's right in front of them, right ahead. And you and I are an awful lot like this as finite, limited human beings. But Jesus 
gives us the light of all the knowledge of the universe, of all the eternal dimensions, of all the truth that there is. He not only tells us what happened in the past, right back at the creation of everything, he tells us why things have been the way they have been up to this time. He tells us who we are, where we fit into the plan. He tells us where life is going. He talks about judgment. He talks about eternity to come. He knows things we don't. He lays it all out so we don't have to be just living kind of in that blinker land where all we see is what's right in front of us. By the way, um, Blinker's Panasonic, this is no joke, Panasonic has come up with a blinker for office workers that live that work in open offices you know, where, where you just have hundreds of people maybe in a big wide open space and it's very distracting, they're elbow to elbow. Well, they'll, they'll now have these blinkers and they're not cheap at all that fit on their heads that, that like the horses, you can't see anybody beside you, you can only see straight ahead. But when Christ is our light, we have the, the vast knowledge of the universe that is offered us. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, 14, and then I'm going to take you to chapter, or verse 9. It says, everything exposed by the light is made clear. It's clarity that we want. We want to know the the factor. What is the truth? What is the way? What is the proper way? What is the way everything works? What is the way it was designed? Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Light produces everything that is good and that has God's approval and that is true. So here we have this nature of light. Now, now you and I have been given by God these amazing, amazing things called eyes. Um, the, the complexity of the design of the eye, I, I could spend tons of time just talking about that, but I won't. But the truth about these eyes of yours and mine are that with all of their capability, and, and it's remarkable what these eyes of ours can do, they are completely dependent upon light. Your perfectly functioning eye would be dysfunctional, non-functioning, unless it has light. And the degree of light and the kind of light that our eyes receive depends upon the clarity that we have. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and the one that follows me. And we're going to build on this a little bit. What did he mean by follow him? We'll have the light of life and we'll never walk in darkness. Never walk in darkness. Meaning, we'll have clarity about everything. We'll have clarity about the truth about God. We'll know what He's really like. In Jesus, we now have revealed to us in the New Testament what the Creator of the universe is really like. He is far from the being that Satan slandered, that Satan insinuated sometimes tells the truth and sometimes doesn't, that just tries to keep everybody cowering and under his power. Far from it. He is sacrificially devoted to those that he creates in his own image. The greatest gift that God could ever give to another being is to give them the capacity to experience life on the level that he himself does. And he has given that capacity to both angels and humans. He is the sacrificial lover of our souls. And now seeing God as he really is in Jesus and seeing him on the cross, that he'll go to that extent to win back our trust. But we know the truth about God and he's the safest person in the universe. And now, unlike Adam and Eve, after they had broken trust with God and they heard his voice in the garden, and when they heard his voice, they ran and they hid. Unlike that, now we that have seen God in Christ, we run toward his voice and not away from his voice. We know he's the light. He makes everything clear. He tells us the truth about ourselves, the truth about God, the truth about life. He makes clear everything that we need to know throughout our lives. 
Now there's an other side to this though that's equally serious. The extensiveness of this claim is one that's big. In John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, this is why people are condemned. Now mind you, this is, this is connected right to the John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes or trusts in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well then, you know, just a couple verses later, it says this, this is why people are condemned. The Scripture is honest. Some people are. Why? Why are some people condemned? Is it because of their sin? Is it because they committed some special sin? Why, why are they condemned? Scripture makes it clear. God makes it clear. The light, he's talking about Jesus, the light came into the world, yet people loved the dark rather than the light, meaning Jesus, because their actions were evil. Now, it's not saying that every human being doesn't have evil actions. We know the Scripture teaches, Romans 3.10 and 3.23, you know, that there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the design God had for us. But the truth is, some create in their own hearts a love for evil. And just like these Pharisees, even when they had seen all of Jesus' miracles, even though they could not put, uh, charge Him with one sin, He challenges them in this passage, can you charge me with any sin? They couldn't, they couldn't charge Him with one. They had seen the miracles that He did that no one's ever done, yet still, they loved darkness. They, they loved the the pride, they loved the fame that they received in their time. They couldn't stand that they were going to be corrected by anyone, e even God Himself. So I'm going to read it to you again. It says, This is why people are condemned. The light came into the world, yet people loved the dark rather than the light because their actions were evil. Jesus, as the light of the world, is making a pretty big statement here. He's saying that everyone in the world that is not His follower, I don't care who you are, how much money you amass, I don't care how many titles you have by your name, you can be the best, you can be the brightest, you can be a mover and you're a shaker, but this is saying that if we have not accepted, if we have not trusted in Him and become His follower, we're walking still in darkness. And it says that ultimately, that will cause our, our entire, the entire destiny of our life to go into a trajectory that will take us into a dark eternity as well. There's a terrible thing about human nature. It's, it's a good thing and a terrible thing simultaneously. It's our ability to acclimate. Let me give you an example. If you go out of a really bright room and then you go outside into the night, and let's say it's a pitch dark place, which is pretty hard to find these days, but in Frederick County you still can. I happen to live in a place where you can have pitch dark. But if you go from a bright light to pitch dark, when you first go out there, wow, you just can't see anything. But if you stay out in the dark, I'm talking about the darkest night where there's no, no street lights or anything, you're just in the middle of the, the, the wood somewhere or the middle of a field, you have some just some starlight and maybe a little moonlight. If you stay out there 10 to 30 minutes, your eyes will start to acclimate and you will be able to see, not very well, but you'll be able to see a little bit. You won't be able to see any color and you, you can't make out sizes and shapes very well and you can't see very far and it's a lot of guessing going on. But you can acclimate and it can give you this sense that you're really seeing, but you're not. You're not really seeing because were the, the sky suddenly to be full of light, you would see things that were all around you that you had no idea were there. But, but we have this ability to, to get used to the dark and think we're okay is my real point. Sometimes people 
get so used to living in the dark that they feel like they're okay for a time. Let, let me give you one other thing. They, these religious leaders in Jesus' day, they, they were doing something that's to me a bit terrifying. And, and I'm not trying to bring something morose up into this message for us, but, but the truth is, we that are regular churchgoers are in more danger of this than those that do not. What do you mean, Randy? What are you talking about danger? It's this, that we can become so familiar with Christ. We, we get so comfortable looking at the light, but not necessarily following the light. And, and we can mistake knowing about the light with following the light that His presence literally becomes a blinding factor. It desensitizes us. We're in darkness and we don't even know it. You know what? If you go out, or if I were to go out and stare into the sun, if you stare into the sun for just like a, about a, a hundred seconds, you are highly likely to go blind, highly likely to have permanent damage with your eyes. These individuals were looking at God in Jesus in all of the full light of His being. They, they were seeing the beauty of His kindness, the beauty of His mercy, uh, His desire to rescue all humanity, His power to heal of disease and and to put everything right that we are unable to put right. And still, they looked right at Him and they found nothing in Him they desired. It's a dangerous thing, folks, to have Christ revealed, expressed to our hearts, our minds, our souls, and to then be able to stare into Him but not ultimately take His light and have a desire come to follow Him from the result of it. So, we want to turn the corner now, we, we've kind of examined Christ's claim about uh, being the light of the world, but what we really want to do is experience His claim. We, 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 we want to experience for ourselves walking in His light, living as those that are in His light. And the first thing that comes is this, or the first thing we have to be willing to do or able to do is to confidently follow Jesus. And I'm not going to confidently follow Jesus unless He has won my confidence, won my trust. I am convinced in the core of my being that He is who He says He is, that everything the Scripture reveals about Him is true, including His sacrificial death and His rising from the dead. But that builds a confidence in me to follow Him. Jesus in John 12, He gets back to this same subject. John 12, let me read you verse 35-36. It says, He who walks in the dark doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, put your trust in the light so that you may become people of light. Jesus is talking once again to people about himself. He says, while you have the light, remember John 12, Jesus is just months away from going to the cross. Uh, it could even be a week away depending on the exact timing. While you have the light, put your trust in the light. Uh, I, I emphasize this usually every time I come to a passage of Scripture that says about believing in Jesus or putting faith in Jesus because it's all the same Greek word. It's pistis, pistuo, belief, confidence, trust, reliance. But I think trust is much more of what Scripture is talking about. And it, it, more importantly, it speaks to us today. But here we have it. While you have the light, put your trust in the light so that you may become the people of light. When I see the truth about God in Christ and I trust in Him, 
well then I start to change. I start to want to become like him because a Talmudim, a Methetes, a follower, a disciple wants to be like the one they're following. And that changes me. I, I am born by what I see in Jesus. I am born again spiritually. Um, I now see the truth about God. I see the truth about life. I recognize that only as everyone in the universe lives with the kind of conduct and the kind of heart and the kind of soul and sweetness of spirit that I see in Jesus can there ever be hope for the universe being a harmonious happy place and it wins me over I trust in the light goes on to say in verse 46 Jesus says I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who trusts in me might not remain in the dark everyone who trusts in me earlier he says I'm the light of the world he who follows me when we put our trust in Christ, the, the, the evidence, the proof, the only proof is we become His followers. If I trust Jesus, I want to learn His will. I want to learn His ways. I want to dig into His Word. I, I want to correct everything in my life that He says needs to be corrected because He's the light of the world. He has all knowledge. He's the one that designed me. He knows what's best, wants what's best. I can never and we can never do better for ourselves than to embrace His truth about ourselves and to align our life with it. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who trusts in me might not remain in the dark. We all these days have GPS systems, and Lord knows if anybody needs a GPS system, it's me. I, I get lost on every travel I've, I've just about ever been on. But you know and I know, it doesn't matter how sweet that person's voice is in that GPS, they sometimes lie. Am I right? I, I've, I've had the GPS lie to me quite a few times. They tell you to go a certain place, make this left turn, go four miles, make a right turn. You know, you follow, you blindly follow. We're, we're kind of in the dark. We're, we're trusting their light. We follow, and I've had it where it just keeps circling me around two or three times. The, the, the destination doesn't exist. The GPS sometimes lies to us. But Christ can always be trusted. Uh, he knows everything there is to know about life. And you and I, we, we live with, with, with a desire for clarity. Let, let me share something that I jotted down. Less light means less clarity. When, when, when you go outside and it's getting dim and the sun's going down, you can see, but you can't see very well. And as it gets dark, you see less and less. Less light means less clarity. Less clarity means less certainty. When I'm not clear about God's will on anything, I, I'm uncertain. I, I'm, I'm not positive. So less light means less clarity. Less clarity means less certainty. And less certainty means less competency. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to know what exactly to do or how to do it at its best unless I can be certain. So staying close to the light close to the light, as in the light as possible, becomes paramount for us, we that are His followers. Let me read you something from Psalm 119, 130. It says, The teaching, the teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. This takes us from confidently following Jesus to continuously following Jesus. The teaching God has, has determined to reveal Himself to us in His will and His ways by teaching. Human beings, we need to be taught everything. I mean, you think about it. Uh, everything that you can do right now, there was a time when you could not do it. There was a time 
when you could not feed yourself, you could not put your own clothes on, you couldn't drive a car, you couldn't read, you couldn't write. There was a time that we could not do any of those things. The truth of the matter is, a lot of animals at birth and, and early on are more skilled than we are. They, they have instincts that God gave them. But human beings, we are helpless. We need to be taught everything. Now, where it changes is this. God, though, has given human beings this capacity, this capacity for learning that is awesome. I mean, we can take in the truth from our Creator and we can learn to embrace it and live by it and, and, and it can have a transforming, an ongoing transforming effect on our life. We, we have a capacity. The greatest gift that God could give, like I said earlier in the message, is God gave us the capacity to experience life on the sophisticated levels that He Himself experiences it. And one of the main ways that He has chosen for us to develop is by learning, is by teaching. Let me read it to you again, Psalm 119, 130. It says, the teaching of your word gives light, there's the light again, so even the simple can understand. We need to be constant, lifelong learners of God's word because that's his primary way during this age that he's revealing or giving forth his light to us. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The one that follows me will never, never walk in darkness. We'll have clarity. Folks, we, we'll know the truth about God, the truth about life. We'll know who we are, why we're here, where we came from, how we're designed to live. We'll know why the world is in the condition it is. We'll know what's going to happen in the prophetic future. We'll know about our eternal, uh, eternal destiny. We'll know the truth. And people think we can live without these certainties, these truths. We can't. That's why when I started this whole talk with these celebrities that go through this cycle again and again, because they're trying to meet spiritual needs through temporal means. They're looking for life in the presence, person, places, and things and experiences that can only be given to us by the presence of God Himself, Christ Himself. And living in a, in a living union with Him is the way that God designed us to live. Back to John 8. Listen to what Jesus says in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, when He was bickering and arguing with the Pharisees, still He reached some people that were also listening on. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him, If you continue to obey My teaching, you are truly my followers. There's that word again. In the Greek, it's methetes. In the Hebrew, it's tamadim. A follower, a disciple. It is a learner. It is a lifelong learner. And, and the disciple is one that says, above all things, I want to be like my master, like my teacher. So here's Jesus. He says, if you continue, notice the, the emphasis on it's a dynamic thing. It continues. It goes on. It's not just a point, one point in time. If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And of course, you say free, it's, it's free from um, the pitfalls of life, because when we're walking in darkness, we don't see the pitfalls of life. It's, it's free from fear. It's free from guilt. It's free from shame. It's free, free from false uh, criteria for self-esteem and self-worth. It's free from pursuing things that ultimately become worthless and tormenting to our soul. Jesus frees us in so many ways. We're, we're, we're free from being the, 
um, the slaves of other people's opinions. We, we know who we are. We know who we're following. We know our life matters. We know we're always loved. We know we're never alone. We know we're never forsaken. We know God's working all things together for good, even the things that are hard. We know how the, the story ends and it ends well. We know the truth, and that truth sets us free. We don't have to live in that desperation cycle, haunted by the fear of death, that makes us pursue primarily self-preservation and self-gratification. That's the cycle that plunges us into darkness. We, we go into uh, desperate experimentation because we think, like, I'm only here for a short time. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, so i got to get everything that I can. And that leads to reckless living and often we hurt ourselves and hurt others in the process. You'll know the truth, you'll know it by experience, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. The one that follows me will never walk in darkness. When we're walking in darkness, we don't know what's valuable or invaluable. You can't tell. You could step right over a pile of gold and not even know it's there, or you could step into a hole 20 foot deep and not know it's there. When we're walking in darkness, we're disoriented. We're, we're, we're not sure of anything. We lack clarity. I did something for this message the other night. Now, I, I happen to live in a place where it's really dark. When, when darkness comes, there's no light. I, I live kind of on a mountain in, um, in the middle of some woods, and there's no city lights or anything like that. And the road that leads to my house, it's about a half mile long, and it goes right through the woods. And it is dark, dark, dark. Um, I've been up and down that road at nighttime hundreds, hundreds of times. Um, navigated up and down like it's no big deal because, you know, my car has decent headlights and that kind of thing. So just last night, I decided for this message, I wanted to do an experiment. So as I was coming up the road that leads to my house about a half mile long, at one point, I turned off my lights and I tried to continue to drive. I want to tell you, I, I had to turn them back on within seconds. When I turned those lights off, th this road that I drive so familiarly hundreds of times, when I turned those lights off, I'm telling you, I couldn't see anything, anything. It, you talk about darkness, it was thick, black darkness. I couldn't see a thing. I had to quickly turn them back on because I didn't know if I was going to go off the road. And on my little narrow road, uh, you know, there's rocks on the side, there's trees, there, there's all kind of, you know, uh, deep pockets that you could get your tires, you know, lodged. I mean, it's just, it's just not a safe thing. It was so dramatic once, I thought, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to do this one more time. So I drove with my lights on and then I did it again. I turned them off. And again, that darkness just enveloped me. And I, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't see anything. I, did, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what was around me. And as quickly as I turned the lights on, I could navigate freely again. I, I, I could fly up that road just like I've done so many times. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but he'll have the light of life. L listen, God wants you and I to walk through this dark, difficult world with clarity. He, he wants us to know the truth about God, that He's the most loving, the most safe person in the universe, that He's always for us, He's always with us, that His mercy is fresh every day, that He'll never leave us and never forsake us. He wants us to know that when we put our trust in Him and become His followers, we're safe and secure for time and eternity. He wants us to know that we are the apple of His eye, that He's got His hand upon our lives when we feel it and when we don't feel it. He wants us to know that even when we're going through difficult 
difficulties in life. He's with us. He'll never leave us and forsake us. He'll strengthen us. He'll rescue us again and again and again. And then He's going to ultimately bring us to be with Himself face to face, eye to eye for all of eternity. We don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in uncertainty. We can walk in clarity and in certainty to the degree that we live close to Christ, take His Word, which is the source right now in this life of, of light to us, take it into ourselves, and then let it fill our hearts and our minds and become the, the guidance mechanism, the GPS for our souls each day. Uh, to that degree, we'll enjoy the light of life. And we can walk through this dark world and we can not only have light for ourselves, but Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16, that we, His followers, are the light of the world. We can radiate light to others. We can help them see that there really is a way, there really is truth, there really is life, and that Jesus is that way. I hope today that if you have not taken Jesus to be your light, and you have not put your trust in Him, the light, and become His follower, and are following, walking in the light, I hope I hope this will be the day to change everything. I, I want to only get a little personal for a minute because I know some of us, we've been in the church world for a long, long time, and we know all the lingo. We know all the Christian lingo. But, but I just want you to, to bear with me. Pause and ask yourself, am I today, is who I am today one that is dynamically, actively following Jesus because I trust Him? And I love Him, and I cannot get enough of Him. I know He knows the truth about everything, and I know I don't know the truth about much of anything. And I'm going to live my life dependent upon Him every day and in every way. I, I hope maybe some of us will, will pause and maybe think, you know, I, I'm not sure I've taken that as seriously on a day-to-day -day basis as I should. Some of us, maybe your, your light has gone dim. You know, the further away from the light source we are, the dimmer things get, and life starts getting confusing. We start having a lack of clarity, a lack of certainty. Maybe some old problems and some old torments start to start cropping up again. We start feeling shame again. We start feeling guilt. We start feeling self-loathing, or we start feeling arrogance or pride, or we're tempted to pursue, whether it's money or power or pleasure or, or any number of things. We, we're, we're, like, we're like those that are in the dim. We're in the twilight. We're in the dark a little bit. There's some light, but there's not enough light to keep us moving forward in the will of God. Maybe we've drifted from the light, and the Spirit of God is here this morning saying, come on back. Come on back to the light. Jesus wants you. Jesus welcomes you. Once again, He said, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let the Spirit of God have His way in your heart today that, that Jesus will become more prominent in each of our lives as the light that we will follow fully and freely and forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are so thankful that You have revealed Yourself in all of Your fullness, all Your kindness, all Your beauty, all Your gentleness in Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May Your Spirit this day draw us closer to You than we've ever been before. May we hunger and thirst after righteousness and most of all to live in Your light and let nothing get between ourselves and You. Let nothing dim uh, You as the, the great source of our life. We ask these things in Your worthy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.